21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. So Alish is a software that helps non-technical creators put up online courses that look amazing on any web platform, and you really don't need a developer for that. Like I have been a online course creator for the past almost a decade now, and I am not technical. And the process of having to go through a developer to make any little change was so frustrating. Let's just say that I put forces together with my my partner to create a what I think is really a better model. Because there are a lot of platforms that will help you put up an online course on the interwebs without the help of a developer, but the issue that I found with most of them is the fact that you will have to maintain a separate website, what we call a subdomain, and I didn't want that. It just felt like it was not a congruent experience for my clients. I wanted to that I wanted them to stay on my website and go here for the course and go there for something else. And I wanted to not only offer a course but offer other ways that they can other things that they can do. Like book a private session with one of our consultants. That's just a simple example that other platforms you just there was just no way you could do that. You have to make them go from one platform to the other platform and you know like hop around and I didn't like that idea at all. And so Alish really was born because I was trying to scratch my own itch. It had to be easy, it had to look good, and I wanted it to just go on any website with just including a um, a little bit of a line of code, which is like a one-liner, and put that in your header, and you're done. So Alish really was born to uh, for that reason, and um, I really implore any non-technical creator that wants to have an online course and have it on their website on their term to, to just come check us out. any analogs and antilogs regarding your competitors did, did you did you saw something that was very good and you implemented or antilog as you did something completely different so we've definitely learned from the competitors and we are also at the same time the only platform that is set up so that our the course can be embedded into any site and this mean by that um, like most of the other sites, they have like you have to make your own subdomain. It's like feature rich and you can go in and do whatever you want, but you can only really have a course on your site and that's it. Or if you are very technical or have, have a really good developer that can work with work with you, then you can put together a website on WordPress and use all of these different things. But the WordPress plugins are WordPress course plugins. The back end becomes really messy, really fast. That's what we were using before because we had a lot of custom features that we wanted to be able to offer our clients. And so the other platforms weren't cutting it. So we did a custom WordPress site and it was supposed to be easy, right? But the back end just is a disaster. And to make a change to the course, I'm like, okay, take a deep breath. Like I can figure this out. 
yes, I can do this. And like, you know, it's just big process versus, so that's what Alish was really born to, to help solve was the course is right here. You're not clogging up and making tons of posts and pages and whatever to be able to host your post or host your course on your WordPress site. It's just like, no, no, just drop that, this code into this area and this course will show to the design specs that you've specified. So you're actually controlling the course on our app. So like you're not bogging down the back end of WordPress. So it works with WordPress. It works with Shopify, with Weebly, with Squarespace, with Duda. Yeah. Like, so in that sense, we've created something that is very different. And how do you see it continuing to grow and evolve? Very good question. I don't think everybody ever asked us that. We are, we are currently, I don't know if, into what depth I can say this, but we are currently working with um, some web platforms uh, privately to develop uh, kind of exclusive integrations, if you will, because there are some web platforms that don't have any ability to add on online courses. And so we, we've been talking and we're doing that. And so that I think is going to be a really big part of what we do, because we will kind of be the sole way of, or at least for now, for the time being, putting up online courses through through them. And then there are these platforms that already have multiple ways, like, like WordPress. WordPress has plenty of ways that you course plugins, if you will. However, <laughs> you know, like as I said, the back end becomes so busy and disastrous so fast. And oh my God, I'm a little bit of OCD in terms of like organizing. And when something just looks like it's just spinning out of control. Like I really try to like figure out how to keep this contained and nicer so that I my brain can like wrap around what is happening. And I couldn't do that with WordPress. Like I have a lot of courses too. So it was just becoming too much. But like when we moved all of our courses to Alish, it was no longer an issue. And so I think um, whether you are, so like even platforms that are well-established like WordPress, people, when they find us, they're like, oh my gosh, this is different, you know? So they're, they're pleasantly surprised with what actually is possible because it's very different from the WordPress plugin model. We were in a very fortunate position to be able to self-fund Owlish in a way where, from our other business, And so we've been working on it for a while and we didn't take any outside money. We do have a few employees, like a couple of full-time uh, developers and we have a full-time assistant with us. And then we do have some more uh, temporary contract bases. I shouldn't say temporary, but contractors working to help us. So we have some contractors in the development area and we have some contractors for our content and other areas as well. So that's like that's kind of like the, the makeup of our, our team. Let's go to, to you as an as a, as a entrepreneur. So what... What was the most difficult thing you encountered while uh, building your business? Juggling where resources are going to go, for sure, hands down. 
because we did not want to get funded. It was very important to us that we had full control over our business. Fortunately, we were able to self fund it. Um, another business of ours is kind of funneling money into it. But at the same time, it's not like we're have like $10 million to like throw around in different departments. And we can't hire like 15 developers full time and do all this. Right. And so with the limited, and we had to kind of set a budget for ourselves in terms of like, okay, how much can we realistically put into Alish in a sustainable fashion? It wasn't like we weren't thinking that, okay, this development of this platform was going to be done within like three weeks or a month or even two months. This is like, a platform that needs constant improvement, more integrations need to be built. It's like one thing after another. And you have to kind of prioritize and think, okay, are we going to spend our money on hiring a new developer or should we spend money on bringing on a new assistant that will help with operations for a lot of those things? So really looking at that and we are constantly taking a step back and like re- refocusing right it's it's kind of like i try not to plan too far ahead i find that when i try to like be like okay in five years i'm going to be there and therefore in one year i'm going to be here it's just like i really don't know it's too far my brain can't process that but if i chunk it down to smaller pieces it's like just following the little breadcrumbs that's in front of me one step at a time. Like, I don't need to know exactly where I'm going to be five years from now. I can dream and I certainly do dream. But then I just bring myself back to like, okay, here's where I'm at within, I, I think in more 90 day chunks, like in about three months, I think this is realistic to accomplish. And let's chunk that down into like one month, two week intervals in terms of like how we can get there. But resource allocation, it has been and still is one of the biggest challenges and the second one i think is the team like recruiting people that will stay and that really care about what we are doing here as a company and that are also a players because i think when a company grows you i don't think when a company gets big enough, I don't think you really can keep your entire team as A players. That's really hard. Like, I think I saw somewhere like, oh, if you have like a 10% of A players in your company, that's pretty good. And then B players is what's going to make up the bulk, right? But when a company is as small as ours, we need more A players. Like, we really try to keep everybody A players because like when somebody is not, it shows immediately. And A players want to work with A players and we want to keep our company. We want to keep our company small. We don't actually like want to have like a big office with like 100 people. That is not our vision for the company at all. We want to keep it smaller with people that love working with each other. And to get that, and because we're fully remote, we really need A players that like won't slack off. You know what I mean? And so evaluating people based off of that and um and and yeah, like helping them understand what we are about and getting them to kind of care, this has been and I think will be for a very long time. Um yeah, a, a big focus and a challenge. And you accomplished a lot. So what would you say is your biggest accomplishment until this moment? 
That's a big question. So I started out as a dentist. So I am a licensed dentist in two countries and all of this. I'm going to say it's what I think is my biggest accomplishment is not something concrete. For me, it is changing my frame of mind from thinking that like my path is set to being a dentist for my entire life, right? Like I really was on that path. Like I went to dental school in Korea. I came here. I went to UCLA dental school again. And it was like, until I started school, I didn't even think that there was a possibility I'd be doing anything else with my life other than doing dentistry. And I thought, well, maybe I would become a little bit of an entrepreneurial dentist. That was the extent of possibility that I saw for myself. And now here I am with a business that is a software business. <laughs> like I shifted out completely and I stopped seeing patients 10 years ago. Um, and so all of this, like the acknowledging the possibility that my life path was not set at that kind of a young age and realizing, okay, the sunk cost is a sunk cost, which means like the time I spent in my education and the money I spent in my education, sunk cost does not mean I need to stay on that path at all. 10 years, 15 years from now, would I be happy that I took the chance to do something else? Or did I just need to be like, okay, I'm a dentist now and this is this is what I do for the rest of my life, like it or not, you know? And so I think, opening myself up to different possibilities, that really is the biggest accomplishment for me. And uh, were there any any key decisions you, you made that led to that specific success? While I was a few months before graduating from dental school in UCLA, this is where all of this started for me. A friend of mine gave me uh, or introduced me to the four hour work week, the classic entrepreneurial book, right? And I had so much lab work to do. I was spending long nights in the UCLA dental lab, finishing up my patient requirements and doing all of my lab work with earbuds, listening to Tim Ferriss. And I was just like, oh my God, this is, this was like earth shattering for me. I thought, you know, I was on this such a linear path in my life. Like, this is what I do. I go to dental school and I did well in school, you know, like, and I excelled and here I am. Did I necessarily think about what life would be working as a dentist for 20, 30 years? No, I did not. That was not in my consideration when I became <laughs> to become a dentist. I, I, I will very frankly say I chose that path because I did well enough in high school to be able to go through that path. This was in South Korea, so the culture is very different. It's kind of like if you do well in your, let's say, Korean version of SAT, if you do well enough there, then it's just kind of what you do. Let's so you go to med school, you'll go to dental school. So I was just kind of just following blindly along what the possibilities were. And so were, excuse me if, you, if you I can uh, my uh, tell, uh, tell were. people but a little bit more about the, the mindset uh, in South South Korea regarding education. So you are a very, very specific country. You're the only country in the world, maybe, with uh, with pupils having mm -hmm. two schools uh, every day. So 
uh, even private ones. So if you if you can, I don't understand the whole concept. If you can share a little bit more, why it was it so difficult for you to change your mindset and to make that leap of faith? So for anybody that is not familiar with the South Korean education craze and just culture around education, it has been akin to the pressure cooker model, where from when kids are very young, and we're talking four or five years old, or maybe even three, they're kind of being trained to be good students, to learn, like to learn to read and write and do math in like a very young age. And all of this is, it's, it's like the pride of the parents and what, what like one school leads to the next school, like primary school leads to the middle school, middle school leads to the high school. And if you do well in high school, now you get to go to a good college. And it's kind of like, what where you go to college and like what you major in it kind of dictates your life that's that's the mindset there and so from a very young age they're seriously not jokingly but seriously talking about yeah my daughter's gonna grow up and be a doctor or she's gonna go to this so-and-so college you know like university this is so very prevalent and so from a very very young age they're going to private tutors institutions it's like going to school is just not enough and even school like sometimes there are like there's like the official school time, right? And then there's a before school class and then there's an after school class and then there's after school like self-study time. But that's not, it's like optional, but it's not optional. Like you have to. So it's, yeah. And then you would go through that and then you would go to your private institution or whatever to learn more math because somehow what you were taught in school was not enough and you have to go more, more ahead because everybody else is doing that. So if you don't do that, you're falling behind. Seriously, kids, it's very common for like middle school, high school kids to leave home around 6, 7 a.m. and not come back to close to midnight. And you just go to sleep and repeat. It is insanity. <laughs> So what was your transformation from from that mindset to to new mindset of entrepreneur in the states and the global global entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, it started from the 4-hour work week. Like that really was my little like opening to all of those things. That was the first audiobook I ever listened to. That was the first business book I ever listened to. That was the first yeah, that was actually even the first nonfiction book that I ever listened to. Ever since then, I'm like a total like, I, I'm always listening to books and like listening to podcasts. So it was like a foray into like, okay, look what else is out there. And then from there, it's like, okay, oh my gosh, there's that book over there and that book over there. And it was just like continuing to find more resources and just seeing possibilities of a life where I felt I could be a little more free and enjoy the deliciousness of life instead of going through the grind of life and working just so very hard day after day. Like I was in that mindset, but I, I really do attribute all of my entire entrepreneurial journey to that book that I was listening to in the lab. And I was dating my husband, now husband at the time we were dating. And I just remember like, 
I was listening to the book and I would call him and be like, I have found the Bible for life, like this. <laughs> is should be a required reading or listening for everybody because like if you don't even know that this kind of life is a possibility you just don't know what you don't know you know like i really like the model of how you think about like there's what you know and there's what you know you don't know and then there's a big chunk of what you don't know that you don't know and that the entrepreneurial journey for me was that for our work it was like the first like opening like okay look over there there is this giant world that you don't know anything about and you didn't know that you didn't know anything about it and life is going to be a lot more exciting for you over there than what you're doing over here So what would you say is the biggest advantage of using courses to build your business? I mean your, not your business, but my business, the business of any entrepreneur listening at the moment. For sure. Let me first start from what happened to me in my journey. So I was in UCLA and I graduated and I was kind of like, well, I, I did graduate and I was kind of like, okay, I want to do this thing, but I don't exactly know what it's going to be yet and all this. And I did start working as a dentist first. And while I was working as a dentist, but like I was getting all these like inbound people asking me for help with their applications and with their, let's say, teeth cutting skills. I'll just kind of say it that way. Um because just like me, there are a lot of dentists that were trained internationally that need to get their licenses here in the U.S., but to do so, you have to go back to school for the later two years. That's usually what they do. But to get into that program was insanely, insanely competitive. You had to not only pass a lot of tests and whatnot, but you also had to uh, show your ability to cut teeth to the U.S. standard. It's very exacting. And it is so very different from most other parts of the world. And training for that is a really big stressor for, for those people. And it was for me as well. So I had to practice a lot. And when I, the year I got accepted at UCLA, I got accepted at a lot of other schools. And so I, I actually was, you know, at the position where I could choose from one of the nine schools that I got accepted to, like, where do I want to go? That was my second year of application, by the way. The first year, I got accepted nowhere. And the second year, I was like, if I don't make it this year, I'm, I'm back to Korea. Just just bye-bye America. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I put all I had into this process and I got accepted to so many different places that, you know, friends and friends of friends just started to like ask me for help. And so I started to help them like one by one on like their application editing and their bench test prep or this is called the bench test, the, the tooth cutting bench test preparation. And I, I was doing that. And then we were like, we could make this into a more formatted course and, you know, do that. And I can spend less time doing one-on-one. -on -one. And it was, that is how this all started for me was, and so my husband had this idea and he is really the person that pushed me into thinking how this could happen because dentistry is not taught online through a course. It is not. You go, you see somebody 
cutting, you know, and holding how to properly hold a handpiece. It's like, it's all done in person. And he was like, no, no, there has to be a way to be able to deliver this information virtually. And I was like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. This is dentistry. It's hands-on. You learn in person. He was like, no, no, really think about it. And I think this went on for a while. And then it started to formulate, you know, like when you an idea marinades inside you for a while, you start getting little glimpses of what, a, what it could become potentially, possibly. And that started to form in terms of like, oh my God, this could be a thing. And so we figured out how to film and I'll do all this stuff, which was a big deal, but like we did it and we produced an entire course. Okay, back up. We did not produce the entire course. We put up a page to our email list and said, hey, would you be interested in such a thing if we had it? If you are, here's a place to pay. And once you pay, um, I think I gave myself like a month, like in 30 days from now, for two weeks, you're going to get a new like module released. And that was a promise. And we were like, okay, let's see what happens. If we get however many sales, I don't remember anymore. But if we make that number of sales, we will shoot this course. And if we don't, we won't. We'll just send them the money back and be like, okay, sorry, we just didn't have enough interest. That when that happened, I remember we sent out that email and then we went to the melting pot. <laughs> we were having a little nice dinner and we were both really nervous and just couldn't put our phones down, checking constantly. And we caught, we hit the number of sales that we set for ourselves within the dinner time. And we were like, oh my God, we have something here. Like people need this. And so that's when it all started for us. And so if you're wondering what it can do for your business so much, if you're anybody that works with somebody, somebody else, or imparts your wisdom in any sort of way, and you find yourself repeating the same thing over and over again, you say the same phrase over and over again, you take a client through the same process to show them how you, they can go from here to there over and over again, you have a course waiting to happen in you. And not only is it beneficial to them because they can repeat and watch it over and over again, because nobody learns something by listening to it just once, but you are going to free up so much time. And like I did over that dinner, making that number of sales that we set for ourselves over, over that dinner, uh, you have something where you can just be outside hanging out, having a coffee, and you, you're going to get these strike notifications teaching where you get like these new sales. And it is such a good feeling to be able to know that, okay, like if my, if I, you know, have any emergencies and I just can't do these, whatever, I can't tend to my business in the same intensity that I would always like to, it's okay. It's okay. Because I will always have that income. It is so, so beneficial to mostly, I think like courses, but also for a lot of other businesses, like even for new employee onboarding, to get them on to understand your culture and how things are done. Um, even your like process documentation can be used. You can use courses to, to do that part as well. And for like SaaS businesses too, I think Moz is a really good example. Moz is like a big SEO kind of company that is it Moz? I think so. I might be wrong, but they used, they created their own online course about SEO using their software. 
And then they were like, oh my gosh, people are signing up for this. So they started selling that separately. Like you don't have to use their software with that course. You can, or you don't have to, but that seriously fueled their business. So it's like, just if you sit back and really imagine what, and don't even think about it as a course, what content that you pre-create and put it in this container whether it is text or video or whatever, can do for your business in any different capacity, I think you'll be surprised with what comes up. I had so much fun with you today, Martin. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and I hope your listeners got something interesting out of our conversation today. And if anybody wants to check out Alish, our platform, and get two months free of our pro plan, you can head over to alish.com forward slash 21CE. That's Alish with two W's, so O-W-W-L-I-S-H forward slash 21CE, short for 21st Century Entrepreneurship. And uh, yeah, just put in your name and email address and we'll get back to you with all the rest. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik.